Hello and welcome to the Iowa Basketball Coaches Association podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dangler. Before we start, I just want to encourage those of you who coach in the state of Iowa to join the IBCA this season. As a member, in addition to a $2 million insurance policy for your staff, you'll also get access to our Coaches Corner and Lucio Whiteboard. Your team will become eligible for either all region or all state awards and much more. If you're interested, go to our website's link, which should be included in the description below if you have any questions or need more information. All right, let's get to the show. Coaches, excited today to have Coach Adam Sanchez, owner-operator of 212 Sports, on the podcast. Coach, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Derek. I appreciate it. Hey, I'd like to open up. Uh, toss you a few questions here just to get you loose. Uh, my first question, what is your favorite non-coached basketball team of all time and why? The, the team that I haven't coached before. Yeah, it can't be a team you've coached. So like a team you're a fan of. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Iowa Hawkeye fan when Tom Davis was coaching. You name the team and, and that was a, probably my biggest one because I was a kid growing up watching them. So I've heard that Tom Davis answer a few times. Nobody <laughs> in particular, maybe a player jumps Thank out to you as just your guy. I love Dean Oliver. Andre Woolridge um, was big time. Um, I have a distant relationship with Jess Settles, so he was a big fan of mine. I was a big fan of his when he was, was playing. Um, they were all awesome. They just kind of overachieved, which was fun to watch. So I know that's going to be a popular one. Everybody <laughs> likes those Davis teams. Yeah. Um, all right, next question. How has basketball changed the most, in your opinion, since you played oh, well. to now? And like, and then, and then, I'll just let you answer that question. Yeah. How's it changed yeah. the most from since you played till now? Yeah. Well, it makes me feel really old now that I say when I played and try to look back how long ago it was. But number one, compared to when I was playing, they're way more athletic. Um, guys are bigger and stronger um, across the board, and then. Um, like I said, when I was playing at Wartburg and even in high school, if you were over a certain height, you were inside. And now if you're over a certain height, you can play anywhere you want on the floor, which is cool. Um, and I think, like we all know, the international game has changed a lot of it. But that would be the biggest thing is just the, the ability of guys that are 6'10 and 6'8, even in high school at 6'5, um, that used to be true post players. And now they're bringing the ball down the floor and shooting threes and, and doing different things. And short guys like me better get really good. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to get kicked out of here pretty soon. So. So yeah. I'm hearing you say that's something you kind of like about the game is it's maybe a little bit more wide open, you know, just because you're tall doesn't mean you got to go stand on the block. Is there anything else you kind of like uh, that's changed, you know, over time? Um, I think the, I think the, the way that, I guess kind of what I said there with the wide open idea, but just the way that I think coaches are allowing kids to, to play a little more. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I, I think it was for me, it was a big learning adjustment. I'll get into it later as we talk, I'm sure. But I was a, I was a, when I coached high school and even when I was helping out at college level, it was a lot of systems and sets and guys in certain positions. And I feel like now it's teaching reads and teaching decision making and then letting players play with their natural ability. And, and it's been really fun to watch um, how good some of these kids are that either come through our program, even watching high school kids and just, and coaches just allowing them to the freedom within their structure to do what they do. So that's been the biggest thing. Anything you miss about those old days, coach? Anything <laughs> you miss? Um, wow. Um, I'm going to be really bad if I say no. I don't know if there is a whole lot that I, I do. I, I Just looking back on um, 
And I think there's still some teams out there that do the same thing, but those old Hawkeye teams were just built on um, maybe kids that weren't as athletic and maybe they weren't as, as, as skilled as other ones, but they overachieved and, and did those things. But those, those teams are still out there. Um, you know, I think I, I, I'm not old enough to feel like that everything's passed everybody by, but I still think the game is at a better place than it maybe was 15, 20 years ago. So. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, let's jump into a little bit of your background, uh, maybe where you played ball at, and then the beginnings of your coaching career to how you got to where you are now. All right. Um, so I guess I played at uh, Hudson High School. I um, was a high school player there. Uh, played four sports throughout high school. Um, while I was at Hudson and then uh, was fortunate enough to go to Warburg College and play under uh, Dick Paith, who was a former Hawkeye. Um, played there for four years, uh, was once again lucky to have be surrounded by some really good players and we had successful teams. Um, not a whole lot to do with me, but the talented kids that coach brought in. So um, that was a, a, a great opportunity for me. I always loved basketball. Um, you know, growing up in high school, always was a four sport kid that loved whatever sport it was at that time. And um, once I got a chance to go to Wartburg, I kind of fell in love with the idea of, of playing and even more of coaching and the, you know, when you get to college, the in and outs of um, matchups and, and scatter reports and all those things. And so kind of drove me towards coaching. Um, and uh, when I was 22 years old, I had the big dream of, of you know, being the Division One head coach that you watch on TV and, and wearing the fancy suit. And uh, you don't realize all that goes into that. And so I, I chased nobody, that dream. Nobody wants to wear a suit anyway. <laughs> I thought those guys looked really sharp. So I thought, you know what, that looks fun. And then you don't realize all the hours they put in. So um, went to uh, – was really lucky, and uh, Jason Bauer, who was a former walk-on at Iowa, um, was a Hudson High School kid, and uh, him and I had worked camps in the summertime together quite a bit, um, and he got me to Drake University as a graduate assistant uh, following my time at Wartburg, um, and then, as I just mentioned, I got a chance to work for Dr. Tom Davis for one year um, as a graduate assistant. Uh, it was his last year of coaching, um, and then his son took over the next year, and then a, a third coach in my third year, but we, I was at Drake for three years. Um, Really neat opportunities to go to the NCAA tournament, uh, which was one of those things that uh, you don't get to do very often. So that was the, kind of the highlight of the Drake um, experience there. And then went to Grandview University, where I spent three years under Dennis Schaefer um, as an assistant coach on the basketball team. Um, and then three years at Cedar Rapids Washington High School as a, as a head coach there. Uh, three years at Williamsburg High School as the head coach there. Um, as you kind of follow my, my timeline, three years is kind of my deal. And so this is my fourth year. I made it to four uh, with 212. And so um, that was kind of always the thing. If I can make it to four with 212, we know we're doing something right. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of the journey that got me to, to where I am now. Well, I heard you say a couple of names in there, but I usually like to ask guests, um, you know, who are some of those coaching influences in you and maybe why? And I know you mentioned a few, but I'll have you rehash them a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I think as a graduate assistant there at Drake, um, obviously the opportunity to be under Dr. Tom, um, like I said earlier, being an Iowa guy, uh, was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, 23 years old and sharing offices, uh, you know, meetings with him. And um, granted, he was making me edit tape and pick up water bottles and clean towels and stuff. But uh, anytime he talked to you, it was a pretty cool um, experience. And, and he treated us all um, amazing while I was there. So that was kind of a, I guess, a highlight. Um, it was his last year, like I said. So um, it was a little different experience, but it was still pretty neat to be able to share an office area with him. Um, you know, I think a lot of the guys that I spent a lot of time with um, at Drake and even at Wartburg were the assistant coaches. Um, you know, the head coaches have a lot of responsibility that they're involved in. Yep. And so, um, you know, Mark Franz and Oliver Drake were two guys that uh, at Wartburg that I really looked up to as coaches. Um, 
you know, Coach Drake came in a couple last couple of years there while I was there, and um, he was one of those those guys. And I spent one year coaching at Wartburg, and him and I spent a lot of time together, um, talking the game, experiencing the game, and he's just a, a great person. And so he'd be one of those guys that kind of started me in that direction. I don't know if he really even knows that, um, but started me that way. And then Justin Ole, uh, who's the Waukee head coach now, um, was an assistant coach at Drake and had been the GA, so he kind of understood what that position all entailed. Um, and so he took good care of me. Um, through some of those long days of, of being a GA. And so those are two guys that really stand out. Um, and as we all know, as coaches, every coach um, plays a small part in what you do. Um, Dennis, Dennis Schaefer at Grandview, three years with him, um, learned a ton as far as, as how to coach defensively and, and how to game plan and do some things. Um, and uh, a lot of the camp experiences that I do now at 212 came from running camps with him. And yep. so every, every coach has a small part, but those are some names that I remember uh, vividly. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing, Coach. Um, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have you on today was sort of your ability. You've coached college level. You've coached at the high school level. I now are running a, a program uh, with travel basketball and, and other things as well. But uh, why don't you go ahead and maybe explain to everybody um, what you do with the 212 program, what it is right now. Yeah, um, I'm going to take you back just real quick to start the whole thing. And um, 212 kind of founded on the idea that um, I've always enjoyed ever since I was 18 years old, I run camps um, as a college player. Um, Jason Bauer and myself ran camps back in my hometown and always something I really enjoyed the snow Valley camps worked those throughout college. Um, and every time there was an opportunity to do that in the summertime, uh, it was something I jumped at and uh, got talking to a guy, a good friend of mine here in Williamsburg. And, and he just mentioned, you know, you really enjoy that part of it. Um, would you ever want to do a little bit more of that? And so the idea of 212 was just to do a little bit more, the extra degree of, of work and effort and all those things. And so we started Skills Academies, skill sessions and camps for kids to, um, with the idea that if you're the best player in a, in a town, you need to go find a, find a new gym to play in. Um, and so we wanted to bring as many of those kids together as we could, compete in camps, compete in the skill sessions. Um, and so that's where it kind of started. And, and the idea really was going to stop there and just be that. Um, and then after a little bit of talking with some of those kids, they're like, hey, I really enjoy these guys that are skills things. I really enjoy my hometown team, but I just need a little more. And, and the idea of 212 kind of was born from that. Um, and the teams formed from there. And so up now, like I said, we're starting our fourth year now for the winter season. And uh, I guess the idea is we, um, we formed the, the winter team and the summer, se summer teams. Um, we travel upwards to eight to 10 different tournaments throughout the, the course of both seasons. Um, we practice once or twice a week, depending on the week, um, and, uh, and, and form teams with, with kids from a lot of different areas and, and a lot of different towns um, and, uh, and do the best we can to, I guess, enhance and develop their skills, um, while at the same time teach them how to learn to compete against really good players um, that are playing on different clubs, different teams. Awesome, Coach. Um, so started kind of with that camp part of it and that skill part of it. Uh, maybe you could go in a little bit more of some of the things you still offer that way. And then it's grown into this, you know, club teams and teams going out and playing tournaments. But let's take it back to, you know, what are those camps and, and some of those things that you guys do um, look like? Yep. No, I appreciate it. They, they, uh, we call it, so we do is the skills academies. And I think a lot of people have kind of think the same way here. Um, but as a high school coach, you're given time in the summer uh, with your kids and you're fighting them in all these different directions, um, which all of us go through. Um, and as I was coaching that, my idea was it's really good that we have camps for our youth kids. And I know a lot of coaches are doing this now. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of recycling some of the things that have been 
other people are doing, but um, they do these camps in the summer and it's, it's a four day long camp and it's, it's phenomenal stuff. And then they leave and you don't see them again for another month or maybe another year or whatever it may be. So the idea was to put skills academies together and that's kind of the name we, we use for it. Um, and they meet once a week for about eight weeks. Um, and then they have an option to do two times for about eight weeks. Um, we come in and, and we run them very similar to what my experience was at college as far as the individual workouts the kids would go through. Yep. Um, we try to break them up into four to six kids in a basket. Um, and, and really, basically, we, we dive into different footwork things, different ball handling things, spend a lot of time on finishing around the rim, um, and do a lot of um, simulated you know, two-on-one, one-on-one type situations um, in the course of those workouts and then spend a lot of time on shooting, obviously, um, right. which is a big part of the game. But um, that's kind of the idea is to take a little bit of, of what we did or when I was at college, what those skills worked out looked like and give an opportunity for those kids to do it. Um, most of them will sign up with a friend or two and we try to break them away from those friends and give them some different people to compete against um, to make sure the competition level stays pretty high. Um, but the idea is that there's carryover from week to week. Um, and as these things grow, um, the next phase of that is to kind of give them some homework to do on their own before they come back. And so um, really fortunate that I got some um, new guys coming this, this year for us to work with us and, and help out coaching with those. Um, that'll have some, another, some more ideas to, to make those academies even better. But um, the teams are a big part of what we do, um, but the foundation of the whole program was kind of built on those ideas. Absolutely. Um, in those academies, Coach, you know, you're doing both boys and girls. And then uh, t remind me again how, how young you're going. Yeah. Um, for the academies, usually we go about fourth, advanced fourth grade, but usually fifth grade, okay. um, about seventh grade, and then eighth grade through high school is kind of how we break those sessions up. Um, obviously, if there's a skill level that they need to get, you know, bumped up, we can do that too. But um, and then the boys and the girls, it just kind of depends. Sometimes we put them together. Sometimes we separate. Um, it just kind of depends on what we're working on um, with those academies. So that's kind of how we set it up. Maybe so doing it four years now, what's at the youth level, maybe the fifth, sixth grade um, kids, what's something you feel like you've learned or has changed over the last uh, few years? Yeah. Maybe, I think nothing. That. maybe you were perfect right off the bat. <laughs> you know, that's not how I operate. <laughs> that's far from the truth. I was about to say, uh, as we all know, dealing with kids and being teachers and everything that uh, you learn something new every day. Um, they bring something new that you're like, man, I never thought about that or even thought about teaching that. So the biggest thing, um, and I, I think it's still a constant is just the footwork part of the game. Yeah. Um, there's some kids that can do amazing things and, it, and they still have a hard time catching and pivoting. And now that it, it sounds really boring and basic and obviously we don't spend an hour and 15 minutes each session doing that. Um, but that's where it all starts with there, um, you know, and I think another big thing that we spend a lot of time on is finishing. Um, you know, we talk a lot about if you're, if you're a younger player and you can get to the rim, um, now he's got to find a way to put the ball in the basket. And so a lot of kids have a lot of good moves. They work on the things in the driveway. Now can you finish over a taller defender? Can you finish against some contact and some of those things? And so um, those are things that we, we continue to, to do each session, no matter if it's year one or year four. Um, we just find different ways to, to teach them and different ways to rep them um, in a game-like situation. Any advice you would give to coaches from your experience in terms of teaching pivoting, things you found effective or whatever it might be? Yeah, I think the, I mean, I think the biggest thing for us is just to continue reps of doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's a hop or a one-two or whatever it may be. Um, and that's the, the one thing I think is, as we do this, um, as our coaching staff and, and I do this, it's we're trying to help them become really good high school players. Um, yeah. you know, especially if we're working with the middle school and the upper elementary kids, give them an opportunity to do that. 
And so sometimes it's hard because you don't know which way their high school kid wants the coach wants them to be taught. Sure. Um, so usually I don't spend a lot of time trying to change the way that they do it. Um, if it's a hop, we just we find different ways to to be quicker into your shot. Um, if it's a one two, we, we try to find ways that they're making sure they're not picking up the, the pivot foot before they do the jab and the cross step and all those things. And so it's taking what they already have um, and just giving them more reps and, and more opportunities to do it in a live situation to, to help them become, you know, better. I see the same question then kind of about finishing as well. What kind of advice would you give for people working on developing finishing? Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple different things. And then I struggle with this too. Um, sometimes we spend a lot of time teaching a multitude of different ways to finish, yeah. um, you know, and then there's a, there's a long list of them and you watch the NBA guys and every time you watch them, they come up with something new that you're like, man, that's cool. Um, and you could spend a lot of time teaching 20 different things. Um, when really we need to, we need to hammer out three or four that they're really good at um, and basically give them the three or four options that they're going to see in a game quite a bit. Yeah. And then the biggest thing that we talk with our kids a lot about, and I'm not saying we're, we're perfect by any means, um, is a lot of them just lose focus on where they're supposed to be putting their eyes. Um, they're looking at the defender. When they get bumped, their eyes go off of the square, um, whatever it may be. But you watch those really good players, and it, it's kind of like playing catch. They, they look at the glove. These guys really look at the square on the backboard. And so that's the biggest thing we talk about um, sure. is just making sure we're focused all the way through the finish. Yeah, it seems like it's always something really simple like that but can go <laughs> um, unnoticed at times. Um, when you're teaching those, you know, you're trying to get down to three or four, is that kind of – flexible on which player and maybe what's natural to them or is there hey, we kind of hammer these specific ones that we think are the most important yeah um we hammer a couple that kind of I guess would be a staple um you know and one of them being like a veer finish um which I think a lot of people are doing now where you kind of cut your defender off and keep them on the backside um and then kind of stretch out and finish and so that's one um and obviously it all depends on ages where we're at um, my fourth grade son, we're not, we're not rolling that one out just quite yet. So, um, but for the majority of them, we're teaching that number one. Um, obviously we have the normal, you know, just one, two, um, layup in there. But then another one is just kind of, which we spent a lot of time on is just, it's kind of a, a running hook, but just finishing outside the lane. Um, defender comes over on the help side and you got to have a little touch as you jump straight up outside the lane and, and finish it high. Um, you know, then being an old Hawkeye fan, you still got your, you got your two foot stop. Yep. and your fakes and, and then your reverse pivots and those things down there. So um, wasn't a big fan of it, but we are starting now as we get older with some of those kids teaching a Euro step because a lot of them come in being able to do it um, because they spend so much time working on it. Um, and it is effective when used properly. So that's been a new one that um, took me a little while to say okay to. Um, but the kids that bring it in there, they, they know what they're doing and we just continue to work on it. So. I, this is maybe almost too specific of a question, but the Euro step, I feel like in my experience, it's like a kid comes in and they like, it's just their thing. Like they yeah. can do it. And yep. there's other kids who are like, this is, I'm never, I'm never going to mess around with that. Yep. I was wondering what your experience is <laughs> like that. Maybe that's just my limited time. You're a, you're a hundred percent on. It's kind of similar to uh this is bad too because the high school coaches are going to turn me off right now, but it's the same thing to a step back. Like I was taught to never shoot it. And there's sixth grade, seventh grade kids that can come in and they just naturally do it. And I think it's just they spend so much time on the driveway and maybe they're not doing the right things, but their feet are starting to figure out how to do that stuff. But the Euro step being one of those. I mean, I think a lot of it is a coordination factor and, and the com comfort level of doing it. Um, you know, we, we won't spend a lot of time on it. And kids will just break it out. It's like, whoa. And then you, you might try to break it down and teach a kid. And it's like, never mind, that's not the one. And so um, 
you know, if it's not the Euro step, sometimes we'll just teach that kid a floater instead of trying to step through. Um, there's a couple different options you can go to, but uh, it is, it's a, it's a natural footwork for some of those guys nowadays and they do it young. <laughs> they do it really young. Well, that makes me feel better. Cause it's like, some yeah. guys are like, bam, like I don't even say anything or show them anything. And then other guys, it's like, I feel like we could be here all day. <laughs> I've uh, had some really good high school players. And then one of them is a, player that you would know and I'll leave, leave the person nameless but uh, they came in and we tried to do it one time I'm like yeah let's just go to the jump stay jump stop <laughs> so yeah step through but yep well you mentioned the high school guys maybe turned you off I don't think that's probably the case but I definitely wanted to ask you you know you had experience at the high school level two different high schools um, and then now transitioning into travel ball maybe what's the biggest uh, differences you felt uh, you've experienced between the two yeah um, I think the so <laughs> being a high school coach, um, and I think it's, I've been fortunate. I think it's helped me a lot as we've started this club program. Um, and by no means, like I said earlier, are we perfect? We had a long ways to go. But um, I think being a high school coach before this um, has been really good for me. Um, it's allowed me to see what high school coaches want when kids get there and what a successful high school kids look like. Um, and so that's been a, a big advantage for me. Um, because when you're a high school coach and you hear clubs, sometimes you get a little cringy um, and wonder what's going on and, and those things. I know I was that way because I wasn't, I didn't know, um, I guess, the AU club world as much as I do now and, and, and kind of live it and immersed in it. So, um, you know, the, the biggest difference is, in it, is on the positive side, for the club side, is we have a lot of time with our kids, um, you know, and, and we, we spend, it, it, it sounds bad, so many more hours on the floor um, with a lot of these kids and you actually do your high school routine. Um, and that was one thing that I always struggled with is, is not having time in the fall and the spring to do stuff. And every coach goes through it, the season's over, and there's like this withdrawal feeling of like, I don't have my guys anymore. And so um, having these teams and these skills academies, it's given us a really good opportunity to spend a lot of time on the floor with, with the kids um, and then really work on those skills that are going to help them become a better player. Um, and that's been the biggest difference is just the amount of time we get on the floor to help them get better. Um, and I think the more that, you know, club coaches and high school coaches can communicate about their players, um, the better all this can work um, and, and go from there. The, the harder part, um, I guess one of the biggest differences, um, we may practice on a Tuesday and we don't see our kids again until Saturday morning. Sure. Um, and you have an hour and a half practice once a week. Um, so then you have to decide, are you going to spend your time trying to break this zone press you might see or zone defense you might see on Saturday morning at 8 a.m.? or teach them how to jump stop pivot and, and make a good pass and so those are some of the things you battle and weigh um so the, the the game time adjustments and putting different things in um i guess some of the strategies aren't there nearly as much in the club side yep. um, at least with the youth teams um as there would be the high school season so you know you speak to that a little bit about that balance then between doing a team thing in the club as opposed to obviously you guys do a great job with the skill side of those things how do you maybe try and balance that at least a little bit and maybe not necessarily like we're putting in big scouting reports or anything like that but just you know the team concepts of it because I feel like that sometimes is a misnomer you know about club basketball too yeah yeah no and that's that's the biggest that's the biggest struggle and that's a that's a conversation that our coaches are going through right this fall is how do we make the winter um a healthy balance where we can we can compete on a weekend um with any of the teams that we play against but at the same time give our kids a chance to get better as individuals and so um i would say the first three years of our program um we spent a lot of time on just the skill development yep. um, and i think there's been moments and conversations with parents and they've all been very positive 
Um, where if something is lacking in our program, it's it's putting in the schematic, you know, principles and, and um, tools to help us win a game on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, and I continue to tell them the same thing. You know, if our kids get better and get more skilled, the press break and the zone zone offense and all those things are going to be so much easier to teach. Um, and so that's kind of where we spent a lot of our time. Now, after three years, um, we've competed with a lot of places and, and done well um, as a program. And now it's time to to find a way to balance. We have a, a guy coming in, um, Marcus Hall, who's uh, run the Kelowna YMCA, he was a Highland coach at one time. Um, he's going to come in. He does a phenomenal job of skill development. So he's going to come in and take a lot of that off my plate this year with the teams and allow me to spend more time diving into, you know, motion offenses and different defenses and some of those things that can help us um, as a team. Because I think it is important for kids to, they need to learn how to break a zone, you know, zone offense in seventh and eighth grade. Now is it ideal that somebody runs it? No, but it's going to happen. Yep. So give them the tools, teach them what a high, you know, high low looks like and where the open spots are and, and those things so they can become a better player. Um, well, that's great to hear, Coach. Uh, you know, as you know, we do, I think there is sometimes that feeling between, you know, of high school coaches maybe not knowing what travel ball is like and that kind of thing. What would be some of the other things that you feel like now that you've been a little bit more on that side that you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I ever thought that. Like, mm -hmm. it's definitely just not quite like that. Or, or it's yeah. definitely not like that as much as yeah. I maybe thought it was. Yeah, no, I – there's a – I think every weekend I learn, you know, and like I said earlier, you learn something new and you're like, wow, this opens your eyes. But there's some, there's some really good, good coaches, um, even the club side of things. You know, I, and I don't know how you feel, coach, but there's a lot of nights where you go and play high school games and you're like, man, I'm, I'm already out coached and we just walked on the floor because this guy's really good across from us. Um, you know, and I know that there's a lot, a lot of, those, a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of those guys on the club level that's like, when you play them, you're like, I have a ton of respect for what you guys are doing because, their kids are learning. Um, they're learning what to do after they make a pass. They play extremely hard, you know. So I think that's the biggest thing is sometimes you feel like, and and not saying everybody's there, but, you know, I feel like you say sometimes we just, high club guys just roll the ball out. Right. The ball, it's run a high ball screen, let's play. Um, and that doesn't happen that often. Um, it really doesn't. And, and I think the other thing is, um, you know, there's a lot of, of, of things that people may say um, about it being a business, um, I guess, more than, helping kids out, but there's, there's a lot of coaches that just care so much about these kids and yeah. spend a lot of time. I mean, I, I see coaches work from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And, and coach 10 or 12 different games and in a weekend, um, you know, so they, the passion's there. Um, and then the knowledge is there for a lot of those guys. It, it's fun to coach against them. Yeah, well, that's good to hear because I think, you know, I'd, I'd have to be honest, a lot of our good players have played a lot of club ball and there's yep. no doubt that there's a um, connection there and that, uh, you know, they, they're kids that play really hard and they understand the game. So I always think that that's kind of important to press upon people. Is there anything you miss about the high school, uh, experience? Is there anything that, you know, was kind of, um, something you really enjoyed? Yeah. I think the, the excitement level of like rolling out on a, on a Friday, you know, at seven, seven thirty, and, and you're playing your rival and the crowd's packed and, um, the gym's loud, it's hot, you know, and, and some of those things, um, the little rivalries that you have with other coaches and other teams and, and the strategies and, um, you know, watching tape, breaking something down, getting on the floor and then seeing it work. Um, some of those things you really miss because, um, as much as I love what, what I'm doing, those would be the biggest things. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say the long hours and, and all those things on the bus rides and stuff, but, uh, um, but it's definitely just the, the strategy, the crowd, um, I guess the school spirit that you have, you know, when you go to those places and, um, 
I still struggle too when you leave on a Sunday and, and you lose a, a fifth grade game in a championship. Um, but really having like a Friday night game and getting beat Saturday morning, waking up and, and trying to hit the reset button and get your team ready to go for Tuesdays is something you kind of miss a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, coach, you know, I, a big part of high school, I know for me is scouting and looking at the opponent. Does that happen much on the club side? Like I know it's probably not to the same level, but maybe there's a little bit. What's that look like? Yeah, I would guess, I would say if anything, a lot of the clubs, um, do a lot of the same things, um, throughout the course of their program. You know, I mean, I think if you see us, you're going to have an idea of kind of what we're coming at you with. If you're playing Iowa prep, Iowa battlers, kingdom hoops, whatever, you may, you're going to see a lot of those same things. And, um, good or bad, we see each other a lot throughout the winter. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just not, we're not in an area where there's 500 teams. So you're going to see a lot of the same teams. And so, um, some of those things happen quite a bit. I think the cool thing is we may not have adjustments, um, on a Friday night, you know, getting ready for Tuesday from watching tape, but there's differences from the Saturday 8 a.m. game to the Saturday 4 p.m. game, you Absolutely. know, if we play three in a day. And that, that's neat to see um, kids grow and develop just throughout a day. Um, you know, it's kind of how we look at it, but um, there's definitely some adjustments that get made. And, and uh, you know, sometimes our coaches like to tell us how smart they are and, and hey, I made this adjustment on this play and it worked awesome. So um, it's fun. The kids enjoy it. They like, they like having, I think they like sometimes getting thrown some of those things too. You know, they feel like they're learning and growing um, as a player, as a young kid when they're playing. So, Absolutely. Well, Coach, thanks for sharing on all that stuff. Um, I want to give you an opportunity maybe to share just about anything else from your experiences and then maybe take a little bit of time and, and say a little bit about what you guys are doing at 212 if people are interested in finding out more. Yeah, no, I appreciate uh, you having me on, first of all. Um, I was kind of shocked when I got the, got the email that you wanted to talk, and I appreciate it a bunch. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, um, the biggest takeaway is, and I mentioned a few of them, there's, there's really quality club programs throughout the state of Iowa. Um, you know, and I know um, right now for a lot of our clubs, it's tryout season and those things. Um, and kids are trying out for different clubs and asking what the differences are. Um, there's a ton of really good ones. And uh, I, think, uh, I think we're in a good place in the state of Iowa because I think our, our high school coaches do a phenomenal job. I feel like there's a good relationship between a high school program and a lot of the club teams right now. Um, which is a really good thing to, to be a part of. Um, you know, I think um, that, that, that's be the biggest takeaway as far as we're doing this is there's a good, good relationship, healthy relationship between both sides of it. And if we can continue that um, and find a way to allow the kids to be a part of both of them. Um, one or other is, you know, isn't better than the other one, but together we're pretty darn good. And so, as you said, there's good players in high school and you look at them and there's a reason their high school programs are good and their club programs are good. And so, as long as we can continue doing that, um, it's going to be good for the state. And we're going to see a lot of good players come through like we have. Um, and then I think, you know, as far as our 212 program, we do have um, some skills academies coming up here in September, October, um, all the way through high school, allowing kids to get, get ready for the high school season. Um, we're going through some big transitions as far as, as some new people being added to our staff and, and helping out there. And so we have some individual lessons we can provide. If somebody wants to do that, they can reach out. Um, you know, we're getting started about the middle of September, so we can take us all the way up to the high school season. Um, our club season gets started. We just got done with tryouts. Um, and, and the neat part is we grew from four teams to, to 17 this winter. And so um, it's exciting. It's busy. Um, but it, it's really exciting. And so we'll have camps in the summer um, and opportunities there. And, and uh, the 212 aside thing is growing to other sports as well. But right now, um, the basketball side is going really well. And, and we're looking forward to to spend an eight to eight on Saturdays and Sundays in the gym um, with fourth grade through eighth graders and, and getting as good as we can. So, 
Well, that's great, Coach. I appreciate you again coming on um, and just want to thank you uh, for doing all that stuff. So great to talk to you, Coach. I appreciate it very much, Coach. Take care. Thanks for listening. As always, if you guys enjoyed the show, go ahead and try and give us a rating wherever you listen to the podcast at. I think it'll help boost us up and make us available for others to listen. And then please share with anybody who you think might be interested as well. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining us today.